Good morning, Kate Chapel family. Tuesday, November 3rd is one of the most important days in the history of this country. We have a chance to vote for a new leadership for this country and also for our federal officials on the state level. But before we get a chance to vote, I want to encourage all the members to uh, encourage everyone to register the vote. But on November 3rd, we have a chance to vote for the president of the country, our member of Congress, our Supreme Court judge, and also a new state flag. We have a chance to make history in this state. But in order to make history, you must be in a position to vote. And also, if you don't want to vote in person, go to the courthouse and vote. If you're 65 years of older, you can vote without an excuse. If you're going to be out of town on that day, you can early vote. And also, if you're going to be working those those hours, you have a chance to vote early. So encourage everyone to get out and vote on November 3rd because this is a very important date in the history of this state. So get out and vote and also register those who are not registered right now so we can make an impact on November 3rd. Vote early if you can. Make sure your vote counts. This month, we begin a journey together into what I hope and pray will be a deepening of your worship experience. We all have had to make adjustments in how we do things over the last seven months. Gathering together in one space, hearing the choirs, joining in the prayers, celebrating our victories and supporting one another in our struggles. Being assured by the preached word of God are, are things that we have not been able to do in person. Let me just say that the struggle, it's real. I get it. I feel it. And you're not by yourself. Like many other churches around the nation, in March, we found ourselves switching ministries to virtual and online applications. We just conducted our annual church meeting virtually, and ministry and worship for the first quarter of the fiscal year will continue primarily through virtual means while our music ministry and media team, Sunday school, new members orientation, children's church, and the preaching ministry have done our best to bring church to you. The reality is that we can't. Some aspects of church just will not translate across the screen. There's no way to fully bring this experience into your personal spaces and, and have you hear it and Feel it the way that we do in the sanctuary at Cade. For, for one, there are distractions at home that compete for your attention that 
just don't exist in the sanctuary. There are comforts and conveniences at home that are not present in the sanctuary. And so we need to think differently about this season. Rather than us bringing church to you, we want you to go to church with us. Go to church in your house. Go to church in your kitchen. Go to church in your bedroom. Go to church in your living room, in your backyard, wherever you are. Have a soul-enriched and spirit-filled encounter with God. How to move from watching us to worshiping God. Some of what this series intends to help you to do. So over the next month, you will hear sermons that will help you to move from watching to worshiping. In each service, we will focus on some of the fundamentals of worship by incorporating symbols found in the Bible that point to the prerequisites for experiencing God's presence. These symbols will serve as visual cues to help you focus your attention and draw you into the sacred spaces where you hear the voice of God. The symbols we'll use are water, light, and oil. In each service, one of these elements will be highlighted through scripture teaching, and you will be invited to explore how God has revealed himself and his will through the application of those elements. And one note of caution, it is important that we remember that while each of these is a powerful symbol to connect you more deeply in your relationship with God, that none of them have power in and of themselves. The power is in the saving and redemptive blood of Jesus Christ, who is in fact the fullness of all that these symbols represent. That there be no confusion in our theology. Jesus gives us a better covenant that fulfills all Old Testament ordinances and regulations relative to worship. Every now and then, being reminded of how he fulfills them and the purpose that those elements originally served in worship opens up a dimension of understanding that enriches the soul. So in essence, we're going back, back to the altar, back to being washed, back to some good old time religion. So come on, let's go to church.
Good morning, I'm Todd Shelby. Our scripture for the morning will come from Genesis, the 35th chapter, verses 1-4, through 4, and they read as follows. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, and go up to Bethel, and dwell there. And make there an altar unto God, that appeared unto thee, when thou flittest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put, a, put away the put away the strange gods that are amongst you, and be clean and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they and they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak, which was by Shechem. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his holy and inspired word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pause to say thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for putting your hedge of protection around our families daily as we journey to and from school during this pandemic. Father, we thank you for ordering our steps and keeping us safe. We thank you for our pastor and our K Chapel Church family and their ability to remain connected during these challenging times. Father, I ask that today's lesson inspire us all to remain faithful in our work of being the type of Christians that you intended us to be. We ask these and other blessings in your son Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You know, it's time for us to give now in our offering. And as always, there are any number of ways that you can give. You can give by our church app. You can also give by texting the number that's on your screen. As always, you can always drop your offerings off at the, at the office and mail that in. However you give, we want you to do one thing. Give liberally, give cheerfully, and give regularly. Or maybe that's three things, because God loves a cheerful giver.
Heavenly Father, thank you for this offering that is being received today as will be used for the uplifting of your kingdom. As we journey through the days ahead, we ask, Father, that you prepare our journey, guide our footsteps, and the Holy Spirit watch over us on our every path we follow. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So when we aren't going live from the sanctuary and we are recording from a location somewhere in Jackson, you're usually asking and wondering, where is Pastor now? <laughs> Where's the praise team recording this? Where are they worshiping now? You know, for this series, I, I'd like to shift that though. Rather than concentrating on where we're recording and where we are, Perhaps the question this series should be, where are you? Where are you in your relationship with God? Where are you in your fellowship with the Father? Where are you in your intimacy of worship of God? You know, there's going to be some great imagery in this series, and I, I pray that the imagery allows us to really convey the thoughts that God has put on our heart for this teaching moment. But but I also pray that the imagery does not cause you to lose the insight. The question that you must wrestle with, not where are we, but where are you?
As service begins today, I want you to take your Cade altar box, remove the small empty acrylic jar. Now go and fill that with water. It shouldn't take long to fill because it's intentionally small. Now if you want to use a larger dish or bowl in your house, you're welcome to do so. But we wanted everybody to have something. That's why we put the small jar there. Now that you fill that water, that jar with water, I want you to sit it on a table in front of you, in front of you and those who may be with you, so that you can see it as we proceed through service. And let's talk for a minute about, about water. Water, we cook with it, we play with it, we bathe in it, we fish in it, water. Did you know that 71% of the Earth's surface is covered with water? Life, in fact, begins with water. In, in the Genesis account of creation, before God spoke any living thing into existence, the Bible says that the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. Before there was the creation of grass or plants or animals, God created the heavens and the earth by giving it water. And then when God was ready to interact with humanity through worship, he instructed Moses to construct a, a tabernacle. Inside that tabernacle was to be a laver of water. Those who were designated as priests were to stop by this basin of water and wash themselves before engaging in any acts associated with worship. The ceremonial washing or cleansing made the point that before encountering God, we should take care to be clean. Take time to be washed because God is holy. We should come to him having been washed, having been cleansed, having been made right from our unrighteousness. You see, if we're going to go to church before we seek to come into the presence of God, before we ask to hear from the Lord, before you desire to be drawn into an encounter with the holy God, there is this stop buying of the water to be washed in it we we ask god wash us again wash my mind from the unholy thoughts wash my mouth of filthy communication wash my heart of impure motives wash my hands of evil deeds wash me so that i might enter into an experience with you isaiah chapter 116 says wash yourselves make yourselves clean Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. <laughs> There's this idea that you and I we're dirty. We live in a world that is filled with sin. Our minds are corrupted daily. Our ears hear things. Our eyes see things. Our mouths even say things that are not of God. And we need to be cleansed. So the water, the water represents being washed. And Jesus fulfills this ritual of spiritual cleansing by being baptized and commanding us to be baptized, to be born again through the washing of the water by the word of God. So let's be cleansed. Let's be washed. Let's see the water and let it symbolize 
that God has washed us again. Let's go to church.
When it comes to worship, what's been the biggest challenge for you over the last seven months? Behind the scenes, we've had our share of challenges, technology probably being among the greatest. There have been Sundays when we have come to the sanctuary and it literally has been 1058 before we knew that we'd be able to connect with you guys. But beyond the technology struggles, I, I think my own personal struggle, personal challenges have been trying to find the balance between embracing the new norm that we're clearly in and trying to preserve and maintain the unique character of worship as we understood it and practiced it in 2020 BC. BC, that's before COVID. Before COVID, we sang congregationally. Before COVID, we prayed corporately. Before COVID, we, we were concentrating on stewardship and being good stewards of our own stories by sharing them to encourage others. Before COVID, we, we'd started having pre-worship prayer meetings before our eight o'clock service where, where we were laying hands while praying prayers of faith for healing, restoration, and wisdom. Before COVID, we were making preparations to celebrate our 140th church anniversary and remember the faithfulness of our forefathers and foremothers and honor their walk with God, while also be beginning to design a new building to accommodate our current and future growth as a congregation. And then March 15th came and everything changed. We haven't been in our building together for corporate worship since March 8th. And, and while I am thankful for the faithfulness and ingenuity of our ministry teams to make the necessary adjustments to keep ministry moving, it would be disingenuous of me not to admit that I have struggled with worshiping like this. I have. Initially, everything was fine because as long as we were going live from the sanctuary, then my Sunday morning routine was was intact. It didn't change very much. But the first few Sundays when we switched from going live to pre-recording our services, after a few Sundays of sitting on the couch, watching worship, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Because my Sunday morning rhythm and routines as a pastor had been interrupted. And even though I was leading you in worship from the church or wherever we happened to be recording that day, on Sunday mornings, I was then at home, not in church, but at home. The Sunday morning drive while I'm talking to God and preaching a little bit on the way, that, that was gone. The, the ritual of robing up and praying with our ministers, that was gone. Connecting corporately and, and feeling the affirmation in real time, not so much by the amens, but by a clear move of God in the sanctuary. All of that was gone. And I was sitting on the couch like you had been for a few months by then. And I probably did more watching than I did worshiping. And later I did some grieving because I recognized that what I knew to do was suddenly gone. What I understood about leading corporate worship had been pulled out from under my feet. And, and for a moment, I was lost, not just as a pastor, but as a person. As a person trying to make sense of what Sunday was becoming with all of this new time and new opportunity. And, and was I comfortable with that? And all I could think was, if I'm struggling with it, I wonder how you're doing. <laughs> it didn't take long for me to find out some of y'all were doing just fine. No problem at all. But, but the more I pressed and the more conversations I had and the more I prayed, the more it was revealed that as much of a blessing virtual worship is, as much as it allows us to have deeper connections with family, as much as it provides for us to really have a Sabbath day that is that is worship and rest, there are some inherent challenges that have the potential of interrupting and perhaps disrupting our fellowship with God. And perhaps the biggest challenge is making virtual worship sacred. Because what I discovered is that even with the best of planning, the perfect song selections to support the service, the perfect scriptures, the perfect prayers, that when it comes to virtual worship, sacredness happens at home. 
Experiencing God in virtual worship does not happen because of something that we do. It happens because of something that you do. This morning, I want to invite you to make your virtual worship experience a sacred encounter with God by asking you to do three things that we see in today's text. Number one, arrange for a personal meeting with God. It's in the text, verse 35, it says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. God tells Jacob, go to Bethel. In Hebrew, Bethel means house of God. So God says to Jacob, I want you to go to the house of God. Now, the thing to remember is that there was no house at Bethel. <laughs> there was no tabernacle at Bethel. There was no temple at Bethel. There was no synagogue, no church at Bethel. It was just this space that is called the house of God. And God sends Jacob to this space to meet with him. God sends Jacob to this space to have an encounter with him. God sends Jacob to this space to engage him and interact with him and to instruct him in this space, build an altar. Let me say that again. Before there was a tabernacle, before there was a temple, before there was a synagogue or a church, there was just sacred space, consecrated space. Set aside space where God met with people. And in that sacred space called Bethel, Jacob is instructed to build an altar. Can I remind you that in Genesis 8, Noah builds an altar. In Genesis 12, Abraham builds an altar. In Genesis 26, Isaac builds an altar. In Exodus 17, Moses builds an altar. Why, why am I giving you this history on who builds altars? Because before God gives instructions to build corporate places to meet for worship, he puts an emphasis on private spaces to meet him for worship. And from these personal experience, from these private encounters with God, these patriarchs of faith construct an altar to memorialize the place where God met them. The point being that God is not bound to our buildings. In fact, it is the personal spaces that he desires to occupy. The personal spaces where he wants to dwell, the, the personal spaces where we should best encounter him, his power, his presence. If you can't feel God in your personal space, then you perhaps have become too dependent on the building. Now, eventually we'll be a cade again, but, but if we're never able to come to the place of public gathering again, you've got to have your own personal place, personal space, personal relationship, and personal encounter with God that is beyond the building. God is bigger than our buildings, and your worship cannot be locational. It must be relational. It is a relationship with God that takes you through tough times. Your relationship with God is what carries you through hardships and struggle. Your relationship with God is what fortifies you in dark days and keeps you through long nights. It's your relationship with God. And it's that personal relationship that you must lean into and lean on when corporate worship in public places and spaces is not possible. Like Jacob, you've got to be able to meet with God in some private spaces, sacred spaces intimate spaces that are personal to you and the Lord. That's what I believe the songwriter meant when he said, take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. That space, that moment, that experience, that encounter in your heart where God became real for you. God tells Jacob, go to Bethel. And he says to us, go to that, that special place, that sacred space where I became real in your life. He says, you remember me, Jacob. You remember me, the God who met you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Me, the God who rescued you from your brother who was out to kill you. You remember me, the God who covered you and kept you when you were being hunted down. Me, the God who watched over you even when you were on the wrong side doing the wrong thing. God says to Esau, go to Bethel and build me an altar. And if your worship is going to be sacred, You've got to go back to your own altar experiences, back 
to the place where in your spirit and in your heart you can hear the voice of the Lord. And if you go back there, God will meet you there. He says to Jacob, I met you there before when you were on the run and I'll meet you there again. Beloved, what I want you to do is to ask the Lord to meet you. Tell God, Lord, you came to me before when I was hurt. Meet me here again. You came to me before when I was sick. God, meet me here again. You, you came to me before when I was lost. You came to me before when I was desperate. You showed up in my loneliness, in my weariness, in my fearfulness, in my sorrow, in my uncertainty, in all of those spaces and places. God, you met me before. Now, Lord, do it again. And that kind of spirit, experience with God is, is not dependent on a building. It's on a relationship. It may not be a physical place, but it's a sacred space, a time, a moment, an experience when the Lord showed up. And so verses one through, th through three teach us to remember where the Lord met us, what he did for us, and to bring us to that anticipated encounter with him again. Secondly, in order to make your virtual worship sacred, number two, rearrange the space that's in your heart. In verse two, it says, then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that were among you and be clean and change your garments and let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. In this season of virtual worship, there's a lot of new things that, that we've tried out to improve how we deliver the word of God to you and, and bring to you consistent offerings of inspiring and encouraging and edifying content to build your faith. Along the way, on our side, we've, we've had to learn new technology, invest in some new equipment, figure out new ways to connect our intergenerational congregation, and we're still learning. The challenge with technology is twofold. First, on our end, we got to always remember that the lights and the cameras and the microphones and all of the gear that we're using are but tools to get the word of God to you. If we aren't careful, we can become too caught up in the stuff, wrapped up in the production of it and lose sight of the power working in and through it and behind it. But the, the flip side is that just as we might become too wrapped up in it, you can become too dependent on it too dependent on us. Yeah, we want to steadily improve how we do what we do, but we also recognize that worship cannot be, become too dependent on and tied to the technology that we're using. Your worship cannot be relying upon the Wi-Fi working. Rather, rather than waiting for the scriptures and the lyrics to show up on the screen, you must practice hiding the word of God in your heart. See, we aren't careful. This is a season where you can regress rather than progress and become too dependent on things being done for you that you should be doing for yourself. Too dependent on the technology taking you places spiritually that you must be able to go to by yourself. Too dependent on on the Sunday morning experience happening that you miss having your own encounters with God throughout the week. Fact of the matter is. You should be so adept in your faith that if there is a glitch with the Wi-Fi, that there's no glitch in your worship. That if the network goes down, that your praises still go up. That if Facebook kicks us off, that your faith in God keeps you going. That if the lighting is bad, that that the light inside of you keeps shining bright, if the audio is off, that, that you can make a joyful noise unto the Lord, if the live stream starts buffering, that you don't stop believing, if the screen freezes, uh, that you still got a fire that's burning inside of you, if the image begins to pixelate, that you see more perfectly the faithfulness of God and the will of the Father and can say in everything, I will give thanks. So if everything goes perfectly from a technological standpoint, great. But if nothing goes right, you've got to determine God will still be praised. In my house, he will be praised. In my heart, he will be praised. In my spirit, God will be praised. In that moment, God must be praised. Why? 
because your praise must be independent of the tools that are used to inspire your worship. Your praise cannot be tied to technology. Your worship must be independent of Wi-Fi. Your hallelujah cannot be tethered to the pastor's teleprompter. Your thank you, Jesus, must be not connected to your computer. Your eyes staying upon the Lord cannot be determined to your iPad acting right. So while I'm thankful for all of these things, and I'm sure you are, none of these things must become substitutes for the real thing. I can't let myself become too dependent on those things and take my focus off of the worship of God. So if virtual worship, if virtual worship is going to be sacred, then I've got to put technology in its place and rearrange the spaces in my heart. I'm putting down the things that I've relied too much upon and deciding that I'm going to get right in my relationship with God, not spending too much time on the shots and the lights and the technology, but what is God saying? God tells Jacob, watch this, put away the strange gods. The things that have gotten in between the two of us, God says, put it away. The things that have become distractions in our relationship, put it down. The things that have you've become to, to rely upon in place of your relationship with God, God says, put away the strange gods. They can't be trusted. Put away the strange gods. They have no power. Put away the strange gods that you have looked to and turned to in place of an authentic encounter with the almighty God. Put it down. Lastly, in order to make your virtual worship sacred, you've got to come to this moment ready to receive God's word for your life. Verse 10 says, And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. When you connect with us online for Sunday morning worship, I want you to come with a different frame of mind. Well, you say to yourself, I'm not just connecting to Facebook or YouTube or the K Chapel app to see services, but I'm coming to this sacred space to listen to what the Lord has to say to me. I'm coming to hear what God wants to reveal to me. I'm, I'm coming to hear where God wants to move in my life. I'm coming expecting to hear not just a good sermon and not just some good singing, but I'm coming to hear a word from the Lord for my life. It's in the text. God speaks to Jacob directly about his life, about his promises for Jacob, and even the changing of his name from Jacob to Israel. In that sacred space, the Lord changed Jacob's name. He changed his name. Jacob had been a trickster all of his life. He had tricked his brother into giving him his birthright. He had tricked his father into making him think that he was Esau. He had tricked his uncle Laban, making away with his daughters and, and his idol gods. Jacob had lived the life of a con man. That's what his name implies. Jacob, trickster, supplanter. He came into the world holding on to the heel of his brother Esau and the rest of his life was spent grabbing for things, trying to get ahead, trying to make a name for himself, trying to be a success. And God says to Jacob, meet me at Bethel because I got something I want to say to you. Meet me at Bethel. I've got something I need to pour into your heart. Meet me at Bethel. I've got something I need to remind you of. And remember, you all, this is a reminder because in Genesis 32 is actually where Jacob has the wrestling match with with the angel. Remember, he wrestled with him all night long and and the angel says, let me go. And Jacob says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Jacob has grown tired of being who he was and and how he was. And I don't know if you've ever been there where where you're just tired of doing the things that you do, tired of being the way that you are, tired of acting the way you act, tired of talking the way you talk, tired of being known for the things that you're known for. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you do something with me and do something for me because I'm tired of being the way I am. Man asked Jacob, what's your name? Jacob says, I'm Jacob. And the man says, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. Now watch this. Jacob gets the name change in chapter 32, but it's in chapter 35 at Bethel in the sacred space where God has to remind him 
that his name has been changed, that he's already been given a new identity. And sometimes God has to take us back and remind us of what he's already said, remind us of what he's already promised, remind us of what he's already done, remind us of the victories that we've already won. Every now and then God has to take us back Remind us of the battles he's already fought for us. Remind us of the mountains he's already moved and brought us over. Remind us of the sickness that he's already healed us of. I promise you, when you come to this sacred space remembering what the Lord has already done, when, when it's no longer just, just tuning in to see what's, what's going to be said and what's going to be sung, but you've come to this place saying, Lord, I need to hear a word from you for my life, your virtual worship will become sacred. And you will have worship in the sacred places of your house, in your bedroom, worship, in your family room, worship, in your kitchen, worship, in the backyard, worship. Why? Because you've discovered that it's not about the place, but it's about the space, the space that God has occupied now in your heart. Beloved, I pray. I pray that these experiences over the course of the next few weeks will allow you to deepen your relationship with God as you deepen your worship to him. God bless you. The most sacred part of any worship service has to be the moment of decision, the moment of commitment, the moment when someone can say to God, I surrender all, or thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. This is that moment when we offer Jesus Christ to you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And then Jesus himself was baptized and dipped into that Jordan River and, and he asks us to go and baptize likewise. I want you, if you've never been baptized, if you've never given your life to Christ, I want you right now to make up your mind. Make the decision, make the choice. Say, you know what, I, I want to get out of virtual places and have a real relationship with God, my creator. If you're ready to do that, won't you pray this prayer with me? Lord, come into my heart. Wash me, cleanse me, take away all of my sins. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he rose again from the dead. I accept him now as Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want to welcome you to your new life in Jesus Christ. One other thing I want you to do is to call the number that's on your screen right now. There's someone who's waiting to receive your phone call and talk with you about the next steps that you can take in order to live out your new faith in Christ. I'd love to be your pastor and there's so many brothers and sisters at K Chapel who want to be your brothers and sisters. So call the number now. Somebody's waiting to speak with you. My prayer for you, beloved, is that as we continue in this sermon series, you and I will deepen our fellowship, our relationship with God, and we will position ourselves to encounter him, to hear his voice, to know what he's saying in this season, at this time. Now may the grace of God, the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide with each of you, now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.